Who's ready for the word today? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the word of God is life to us. And, you know, I've shared this testimony, but the, one of the biggest things that changed in my life was when I first went to church. Uh, growing up in the Methodist church, um, I'm not saying this is everywhere, but this was just the, the experience that I had. We didn't have the Bible being preached. When, when people say that they preach from the Reader's Digest, the Encyclopedia Britannica, the, that was like right on. <laughs> that, that's, that was my experience. And, you know, they just, there was nothing, that, any substance, anything from the Word of God. But, I mean, the, the most we heard from the, from the Bible was at Christmas time. When you have, you know, Advent and you have the, all the things leading up and you have, uh, or going into Easter and, you know, you'd hear the word. But um, I remember I started going to church with my mom. And um, it was a different church. They, they lift their hands. They had tambourines. They had music. They had, <laughs> there was no hymn book. It was, how many remember when you have the uh, projector and you had the words put up on the screen? Um, and so anyway, it, that's the way it was. And I just, um, I was like, wow, this is so different. And of course, they prayed out loud. They prayed in tongues. And so that was, I thought, man, this the strange things I've seen today. But let me tell you, the thing that, that grabbed a hold of me more than anything was that the preacher quoted the Bible. And he ministered from the Word. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I've never even heard things like this. And uh, isn't that a novel idea that the preacher actually preaches from the Bible? And, uh, you know, you can listen to people for an hour and a half sometimes, and you might hear one scripture. I mean, I'm not here just to see how much I can impress people with... Uh, if I can't give people the word of God, then it, it means nothing. And so I remember that's what, what began to gravitate. It, it was like the first hook into my mouth was hearing someone preach the Bible. And it just is like what was happening. I was going, you know, just like I was beginning ingesting that. And in the process of time, I gave my life to the Lord and never been the same since. Amen. And so it's so important, though, that we get the word of God. And that's, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to. Uh, you know, as you come into the presence of God, you're changed, but also you're here to partake. How many like going to sit down to eat sometimes more than 10 minutes? I mean, we went to Chick-fil-A yesterday and that was good. You know, we enjoy Chick-fil-A, but sometimes it's good to sit down for a while and just, you know, you enjoy a couple different courses. Amen. And so that's the way the word of God is. I want you to hold your Bible up. Let's make a good confession of faith. Say, this is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is ready to receive. I will never be the same. Now say it. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want you to look over in the book of 1 John, chapter 5. 1 John, chapter 5. Verse 
right towards the back of the Bible. And I want to read in verse 1. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Lord, may may it be life unto us. Lord, I thank you that as we begin to be doers of the word, that we'll never, ever be the same. Lord, we purpose to be doers in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 John 5, verse 1 says, Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. Who believes today that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one? Hallelujah. Amen. Well, the Bible says whoever believes that is born of God. And everyone that loves him that begat loves him also that is begotten of him. So that means basically if you love the Father, you love the Son. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. See, that's how we know that we love God today. Not that we can just quote something, but we know that we, we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing unto him. Notice he says, for this is the love of God, or this is the love for God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So notice here, the Bible says, whatsoever is born of God. Do you know that when you're born of the Spirit of God, you are actually born of God? I've said this before that many times people, you know, I've never looked into genealogies much, like on my family, and there's nothing wrong with that. I know a little bit. But, um, you know, a lot of people, they... they they worry about that, you know. <laughs> I, think, I think it can be funny more than anything. But, um, you know, don't, don't let that bother you because there's always, I mean, you look back far enough, like Jesse DePlanis said, you, know, you look back, people live in Louisiana, they look back and, and their ancestors were crocodiles. I mean, that's just the way it is. You, you know, you, you can't just base everything, well, you know, uh, my pedigree was this and that. Well, as a born-again believer, the only thing that matters is four words. You are of God. First John 4 says this, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. But the Bible says here that our faith overcomes the whole world. So if I understand that my faith overcomes the whole world, I'm going to be much more protective over it. I'm going to protect my faith. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them, health and medicine to all their flesh. So God's word, I should protect it in my life. The Amplified Bible says this, Protect your heart and above all that you guard. So what does that mean? I should be protecting my heart. What does that mean? My spirit. More than any other part of my life. I mean, people have, they have every security system. They have 112 weapons, but they have nothing over their spirit. They're not protecting their heart at all. So guard your heart with all diligence and above all that you guard. So this morning, I want to share along the lines of this. Faith to change your world. 
faith to change your world. I want you to look over in the book of Mark, chapter 5. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not going to let you stay quiet today. I'm too stirred up about it. (laughs) Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. What actually overcomes the whole world? The Bible says it's our faith. Our faith in God, our faith in his word, our faith in his ability overcomes the whole world. Amen. I want you to look over in Mark chapter 5. This is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. This woman who, who hears about Jesus. Maybe for the first time she hears this one message. And, and the Bible never said that she heard 12 messages. It just said when she heard of Jesus. She said that she's going to go. I'm going to go in the press behind. Notice what the Bible says. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians. Who's ever been there? You've suffered many things of many physicians and many opinions and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. See, they're just doing what they can do, trying to help. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. So what do we see here? We see that this woman had faith in the fact that if I go and touch him, if I go and reach out to him, I'm going to be healed. And the Bible says, straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, or the word power, dunamis, had gone out of him, he turned about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now, isn't that an odd statement? Who touched my clothes? I mean, you ever just like been in a big crowd and people bump up against you and you say, who touched me? You know, kind of like you're getting weird about it. Who touched me? Well, you can see there's a lot of people in here. What do you mean, who touched you? He, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said, Lord, you see the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. Why? He's looking around because he knew that someone had made it a, a, a withdrawal. Someone had been reaching out with faith. This woman wasn't just looking with curiosity. You know, a lot of people, maybe in the day of, of Jesus, they looked in a curious manner. Well, let me, he's just, he's famous. You know, maybe I can go over there and just touch him, you know. Maybe just touch him on the shoulder. Well, that's not what this woman did. It wasn't just a curious touch. <clears throat> and it said that Jesus looked around, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Now, you're, let's just be honest. You ever thought about that statement? Do you know that a woman's words are more than a man's? Well, let me just tell you, they are. It's scientifically proven. (laughs) That's why when the husband comes home and, and the wife says, how was work? He says, fine. But how many know she wants to know more than that? She wants to talk, especially if she's been around the kids. Well, 
the man, he's already reached about 95% of his words when he gets home. So he, he's kind of trickling out. And the, and the woman wants to know, well, how was work? I mean, what do you mean? What, what, what about this? What about that? Well, the woman, the woman it said, came down and, and told him all the truth. Well, let me tell you, 12 years ago, I started going to this doctor. And, and, and things just didn't work. But, you know, you know and, and, and I know my wife's very good with details. I mean, she can tell all the details. And I, I know a lot of ladies, you know, they, they can tell the details. I'm sure that, and that's not a bad thing. He, he, he's saying that she t- told him all the truth, everything that happened in her receiving this miracle. <clears throat> and um, notice what he says here. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And in fact, as we see at the beginning of this story, we see that Jairus, who was the ruler of the synagogue, had come beseeching Jesus for a healing for his daughter. And this woman just interrupts him, takes a healing, and then tells him all the truth. And while in the meantime, hey, they came from the ruler's house and says, don't, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. And then Jesus, of course, went and raised her from the dead. But I want you to notice here what Jesus told her. Notice he didn't say, daughter, my faith has made you whole. My, my power has made, made you whole. My ability. Because a lot of people, they just think of the ability of God. And thank God you do need to believe in the ability of God. But he said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. So, so if somebody said, okay, what happened? How, how did you get that healing? What could she honestly have said? My faith. But a lot of people, that doesn't sound right, does it? Well, well you know, give God the glory. Give God the praise. Well, Jesus actually said this. Your faith had made you whole. And so talking about faith to change your world, one of the first things we have to realize is this. And I'm reminded of what Brother Hagin said. He said on the bed of sickness, we we're talking about a few years ago, 1934. And he said um, he was there and he read this story and he said this, the words just leaped off the page. He said the first revelation on the, on the subject of faith came to me. and It was this. If her faith can make her whole, then my faith can make me whole. Why? Because God is no respecter of persons. So if I want to know that, that I'm going to have faith to change my world, then I have to realize that my faith can change things. My faith can change things. And why is that so important? Because a lot of people, if they don't realize that, then they place no emphasis on getting more faith. They place no emphasis on building their faith. Well, I'm just going to leave it up to God. I'm just going to, you know, it's like this last Wednesday night, we talked about the gift of faith. And we talked about how the gift of faith is, is a gift of the Holy Ghost that, that God will place uh, upon you at certain times, but that's different from our ordinary faith. You can't just wait for a gift of the faith, the, the gift of faith. It's just like this. You can't just wait for gifts of healings. Well, whenever God gives me gifts of healings and working of miracles, then I'll be healed. Well, you might be waiting a long time. But in the meantime, you can build your own faith. So you're going to have faith to change your world. Hallelujah. So, but why is faith so important in our life? 
And when we say faith, we can just use the word believe as well. Belief. Faith and belief go interchangeably. Well, let me give you a couple of things. Number one, the Bible says that we are saved by faith. You can't even be saved without it. The Bible says we receive by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that we please God by faith. So, you know, you can't even please God without having faith in him. You can't even, so, so people wonder, well, you know, is that really that important? You can't be saved without it. You can't please God without it. You can't even walk without it. So, so what God's called us to is the faith life. A lot of people use faith as an emergency. Oh, man, I just, I better grab some faith real quick. I'm in, in a trouble. You know, I better grab, grab some. It's kind of like when, you, when you're on fumes in your, in your car and you're in the middle of nowhere. Oh, I better get some gas. Well, you better have some already. It's kind of like faith. You need to have it in you already. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I want you to um, listen to Romans chapter 12. Notice what the Bible says about the subject of faith. So we're talking about faith that's going to change my world. See, if I know that faith is going to change my world, then I'm going to be getting some. I'm not going to just be praying, God, just, uh, Lord, just do, do a miracle some way, somehow. Well, thank God he does, and he has mercy on people. But look in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. The Bible says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Everyone say the measure of faith. So everyone that's born again has the measure of faith. So what does that mean? You, everyone, just like in the natural, everyone starts out as a baby. They have a measure of the measure of faith. But whatever you do with it is dependent upon you, not the Lord. So you see some people that have developed their faith. I know I've seen people that certain areas, they've developed their faith a lot more than I have, even now. Well, whose fault is that? Is that God's fault or my fault? <laughs> if there's any fault, it's mine. Why? Because I haven't taken the time to develop in that area. Have you ever seen people that, it's like you go to the gym, and, and it's like people forget that they have legs. They just want to work on their chest and their arms, especially guys, you know, and, and they have bird legs when they walk out. Why? Because they're not going to develop, develop that. It's like one guy I heard about, he, all he wanted to do was work on his biceps, and he never worked anything else. And in fact, it, it, it kind of, his arm was a little bit off a little bit because he didn't develop the other parts. You know, you can develop certain areas and not develop others. I mean, I know there's a lot of people, they want to hear about faith. Hey, let's hear faith, 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 faith. But they don't want to hear anything about um, prayer. They don't want to hear anything about commitment or, or, or uh, submission to God. Oh, you know, we don't, we're not in bondage, brother. We don't want to hear those things. You know, we just want to hear good, the good things. We just want to have cake and ice cream. Well, you need spinach too. How many know? 
And so he says here that God's dealt to every man the measure of faith. But everything that, that from thence, for me to walk in victory, I have to learn how to develop my faith on a daily basis. Amen. See, we get faith to be saved by hearing the word, but we also get faith in every other area the same way. So talking about faith to change your world, God is not a respecter of persons. The Bible says that. In fact, Peter preaching after, after the day of Pentecost, he said, that, he said, I perceive God is not a respecter of persons. But how many times do we believe that he is? People think, well, you know, God just plays favorites with that person and God just chose that person regardless of what they did. But no, God's not a respecter of persons, but God is a respecter of faith. He is a respecter of faith. Amen. But I want to look from the Word of God at a couple of different instances about people that changed their world through faith. Amen. The book of Genesis, chapter 12. Hallelujah. You know what makes the Bible so amazing is the Bible is full of life. I'm not standing up here as a long-haired, um, long-sideburn professor in a college that's ungodly, just giving you facts of, of something that's not going to matter in your life. Amen. This is the word of the living God. <laughs> Genesis chapter 12. Notice what God, uh, God appears to, to Abram, who we see he turned, his name becomes Abraham. But it says here, the Lord said unto Abram, get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Notice here, Abraham had to be blessed before he could be a blessing. Can you say amen? I, I said this a couple weeks ago. If it's right to, to do it, then it's right to have it. <laughs> if it's right to be a blessing, then it's, it's right to have the blessing. Amen. And he says, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. So Abraham, we'll just go ahead and say Abraham because he becomes Abraham, the father of many nations. And, you know, that's important because names actually meant something. Names mean something today, but it meant something. What was he saying? Every time he met, they met Abraham, what was he saying? I'm Abraham. I'm the father of many nations. Sarah, I'm the mother of all living. Her name changed too. And so whenever, whenever they greeted somebody, they said, hey, who are you? I'm Abraham. I'm the father of many nations. How many kids do you have? Well, none yet. But um, God said, I'm going to have as many as the, the sand on the seashore. And so here Abraham went out by faith, not knowing where he was going. 
And the Bible says in Hebrews that he was going to a place whose, whose foundation and maker of, the, of that city was God. So maybe, you know, when he went out, he just knew, hey, I got to go. Abraham, you've been here a long time. Yeah, but, but, but I got to go. I got to go to a place that God's told me. Well, where is it? I don't know. I just, I think we should go that way. Abraham, you're getting too old. I mean, look, you're 75 years old. You know, you're settled in the business. You've retired. You know, you, you're, 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 you're making, you, you, you paid your dues. Why don't you just stay here? It's, it's comfortable. Couldn't he have done that? He could have just easily just stayed, you know, yeah, I'm just going to watch the grandkids and I'll watch the great-grandkids. Of course, he didn't have them at that time. But, I mean, that's just, just the way the thinking would have been. But the Bible said he went out, not where he was going, knowing where he was going, and he went out to possess the land that God had for him. Amen. That's what faith does. Hallelujah. Faith to change your world. Abraham would have never been in, in, the, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 if he would have never stepped out. He said he went out not knowing where he was going, but just looking for a city, looking for a city. Looking for a place. Many times in your life, you won't know exactly where you're going except that the Lord's leading you to go step, take a step here. Take a step out. Step out of the natural and step out in this realm. Well, Lord, what's it going to do? What's going to be the outcome? And you'll hear nothing. Why? Because you have everything you need to know to step out by faith. You know everything that you need to know to make the next move. So Abraham changed his world because he stepped out in faith. He had faith to change his world. Hallelujah. I'm thinking about the, the four lepers over in the book of 2 Kings. I tell you, I've come to my, in many times in my life, I've come to this same crossroads. Look at 2 Kings chapter 7. And Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now, when you read this, there was extreme famine. There was extreme hunger. I mean, they were selling cow dung and and. and eating the heads of animals. I mean, it's just, it was in a bad way. Let me just say it that way. It's a bad way. And, and the word of the Lord's come and saying, hey, tomorrow is going to be different. Tomorrow is going to be different than today. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat thereof. And we see at the end of this story, this man who doubted, the Bible said he stood there, he saw it, but the horses trampled him to death, and he died. It's a bad thing to see it, but not go in and possess it. But look in verse 3. The Bible says there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit here till we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come and let us fall to the host of the Syrians. 
if they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. You know, when you rise up in the twilight, how many know what the twilight, now that's on both ends of the day, but you, you think here, I believe, in the, here early in the morning, that's when it's break of day. How many know you, you don't quite see the best? It's just, it's not quite night, but it's not, the sun hasn't fully come up. During this time, the Bible says they rose up. They rose up in the twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. Why? Because they said, you know what? It's, it's a, a certain fact. If we stay right here, we're going to die. If we go over there, hey, we're just going to die. So why don't we just go over there and, and maybe they'll have compassion on us. Maybe they'll give us a happy meal. And it says, they rose up and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp, Behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight. And left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink. Now, you're talking about people who were starving, starving to death. And they go in, they eat and drink. And carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it. And came again and entered into another tent. Can you imagine the, the lepers? Maybe one went over here. And they, 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 they spoke out to the other and said, Hey, Boudreaux, I got fried chicken over here. We got mashed potatoes and, and macaroni and cheese. And what about you? Oh, man. We, we got lasagna, and we have this, and we have that, and we have this, this cake, and, and, you know, they're, they're rejoicing. Then they realize, hey, you know, if we don't, we don't tell other people about it, something bad is going to happen to us. And so it says that they go, and they, they proclaim this, and the Bible talks about how that they, they, they had the spoils, and, and they, they had the blessing, but, but what did they do? They had the faith to say, you know what? If I just stay here, I'm going to die. If I go over there, we're just going to die. But hey, why don't we just go over there? Why don't we get up? I mean, many times in, in my own life, I've had to ask myself, why sit here till I die? Why sit here just drying up? Amen. And many times you have to ask yourself. But they had faith to change their world. Faith to change their world. To them, it was a small step. To them, it was, hey, let's just get up and go over there. Maybe that, I mean, I remember in my life, the faith to change my world after I got, gave my life to the Lord, got filled with the Holy Ghost, was going to a, a small church. And there, we probably had 10, 12 people. 
But something came into my heart. Some faith started coming into my heart to believe God. And you know, God starts right where you're at. And if you don't start where you're at, you stay, you stay where you're at. And I, I started having this faith in, in my heart to, and that starts growing. And you hear the stories in the Bible and, and, and you see people of faith. And, and so what the Lord's doing is building things in me to believe for him, to do things in my life. And as I did that, I started having faith to come to change my world. Where there was defeat, victory started to come. Where there was hopelessness, there comes hope. Where, where there was depression, there comes the joy of the Lord. And I remember, oh, this was um, almost 30 years ago now. <laughs> but I remember a, um, my pastor saying to me, said, um, hey, would you ever think about going to Bible school? And I was about as far as the east was from the west as far as I was concerned. And he said, well, you know, if you ever feel like you want to, then we want to pay, pay for that. I said, okay. Well, I had our own plans, you know. And that was like in April. Fast forward, um, May, June. My mom and I went to this one university that I was going to go uh, attend. And um, secular school. And um, boy, it just nothing worked out that day at all. You ever just done something and just like, you know, it's like a, a round hole and you try to put that square peg in there. It's just something's not working. And so that's the way it was. Everything just, we did this, didn't work, didn't, did this. Tried to find an apartment. It just, and I just, on the inside, I felt disgusted. And I just felt bad on the inside. Like something's not right about this. Why? Because I was having some faith to change my world. A couple of nights before this, this was on a Tuesday. And this was June of 1993. And so I um, ended up going to church that Sunday night. And my pastor once again revisited that with me. He said, have you thought any more about going to Ramah? And I said, no, I haven't. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I got, I'm going to this college and I'm going to do all this stuff on Tuesday. I said, but thank you. Well, all this fell through. And so as I'm going through, the only thing I can remember was this pastor saying, we want, you know, if you want to go, we still want to have that. We want to offer that to you. And so that was just like boing, 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 just right in front of my eyes the whole time as I'm coming back. And I felt bad because my mom went with me. And, of course, later on she said, this was in her words. She said, I, I, I couldn't wait to get out of there. It was so oppressive. That was her words, you know, a mom's praying words, you know. And, uh, but she said, I, I knew that you had to see it. I said, okay, let's just go. So I did what I knew to do. We went to a music store. And so um, <laughs> went, and went to the music store and, and um, anyway, that's the days when you would buy CDs in a store, you know, that, that kind of music store. And... Um, Anyway, we, we did that. And coming back home, I looked and I said, I feel like I should go to Ramah. I feel like I should go to Bible school. And, of course, the people that I was going to go to school, they thought I was crazy. But what happened? 
is I, be, I began to have something that that one little step was faith to change my world. That one little step was faith to change my world. So in um, September uh, of 1993, um, Labor Day weekend, we loaded up a 15-passenger van, everything I could put in it. Took all the seats out of it. Someone sewed that to us and, and let us use that. And, um, you know, I, if, if we'd have put Granny on the top, would have been the Beverly Hillbillies. You know, which is just everything that I had was in that, that van. A bed, dresser, and all that desk. But that began a journey. And if you look back in your own life, you can see where God has, has led you. Maybe you took a, a small step. And sometimes you never knew what that small step would do. That small step could be, go to this church over here. Go, go befriend that person. Amen. And so the things about the things of God is they're eternal. And I believe that the, 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 us knowing each other, you know, people say, well, you know, will we know each other in heaven? Well, do you know each other right now? And so I believe that the things that God places in your life, they're not just for a little bit. Now, some things are temporal. Some things are just for right now. But I believe that some things we will see in eternity. Amen. And especially the things you've done for the Lord, they're going to build. You're going to build upon them. You don't just get to, get to heaven and all that. No. All the knowledge you have of God now, all the things you've grown in, they're just going to multiply on the other side. Hallelujah. But faith is going to change your world. All it takes is a little bit of faith. You know what the Bible says? If you had faith as a mustard seed, you would begin to say to this mountain, be removed, be thou cast to the sea. Who's ever planted a mustard seed or seen one? The, the tiniest of seeds. Well, that's how much faith you need. You remember the disciples? One time they, they came to Jesus and and Jesus was talking about forgiveness and about forgiving one another. You know what they said? Lord, increase our faith. Why? I don't have the faith to forgive that person. And then Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would begin to say. So faith, all it takes is a little bit of faith. All it takes is a little bit of the light of God's word to come in. I mean, you don't have to know 600 scriptures. You just need to know by his stripes I was healed. That little bit of light can come in. And that little bit of light that says, I don't want you to live in poverty anymore. That little bit of light that says, I want you to be free. Faith to change your world. Faith to change your world. And I was, I was thinking about over in Mark chapter 10. The Bible talks about blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. Here he was on the roadside of Jericho. And we'll finish with this in Mark chapter 10. In verse 46, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. 
and many charged him that he should hold his peace. Sounds like churches today. Don't you know it's quiet? It's church around here. <laughs> but it says that he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. So I just want to highlight this one more time. We've talked about this before. But here is Bartimaeus, blind, and he's rebuked by Jesus' disciples. Well, you know, what kind of ministry is this? You know, I, I try to come for help, and, 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 the, and the staff rebukes me. I mean, don't you think he could have been offended? It's like the Syrophoenician woman. You know, I'm not sent, but the house, lost house of the sheep of Israel. Truth, Lord. Well, you know, it's not right to take the, the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. How I many know she could have been offended and gone without? But here, Jesus stood and called him and called the blind man, be of good comfort, he calls him. So he didn't give up. He didn't say, well, you know, okay, whatever, they rebuked me. Fine, I'm not going to be offended about that. I'm sure he had to get over that. But it says that, that Jesus called him. And Jesus called him, and it says what happened? He cast off his garment. So here he had on this garment, pretend that this, gar this coat I have on was his garment. That garment signified that he was a blind man, that he was a beggar, and that he could do that for a living. So what he say? In essence, he was saying, okay, Jesus called me. I'm done with my begging days. I'm done with, with being blind. He takes that coat off. He throws it to the side. You know, a lot of people would have probably tied it around themselves thinking, well, just in case it doesn't work. Well, you know, let me just have it as backup. Let me just have it as, you know, in case things don't work, in case, you know, things, you know, you need to fall back on. And the Bible says, be of good comfort. He rise, he calls you. So here, here are the disciples. The Bible says that they rebuked him. Now they're saying, okay, they're, they're like schizophrenic. And they say, oh, okay, hey, he's, he's calling you. Be, be happy, be, be of good comfort. And he rose, casting away his garment, and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, what will you that I shall do unto you? What wilt thou that I shall do unto you? Now, isn't that an amazing question? A, you come up to a blind man. The blind man who had the garment on, he knew he was blind. He cast it off, and then he says, hey, what is it you want me to do for you? I mean, that'd be the moment the mic drops. And he's saying, you know, Jesus, don't you understand? I had the garment on. It's signified, and I'm begging. What do you mean? You know, I'm not just here for my health. If he was a New Yorker, he'd say, you know, I'm not just here for my health. You know? And so, but Jesus says, what is it you want? What's he looking for? He's looking for that confession. He's looking for that, that, that acknowledgement that I need healing. I need you to work in my life. He's looking for his faith. 
He's looking for that faith that's going to change his world. And he says, the blind man said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So notice, he's just like the woman with the issue of blood, he said, go your way, your faith hath made you whole. So if their faith would make them whole, then your faith today can make you whole. Your faith can make you whole. You know, when you study the gospel accounts on the, the ministry of Jesus, now the Bible talks about multitudes being healed, great multitudes being healed. But the Bible, when it talks about individual accounts, the Syrophoenician woman, uh, the nobleman's son, all these different accounts, there's some 19 different accounts specifically related to healing. Now, we know there's thousands and thousands of people healed, not just 19. But out of those 19, 13 of them was referred to their faith making the difference. So in your life, what's going to make the difference? Your faith. What's going to make the difference in your healing? What's going to make the difference in your deliverance? What's going to make the difference in, in your, your direction? Just hoping and a praying? No, my faith. So say this, if her faith can make her whole, then my faith can make me whole. Hallelujah. Come on, just bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says that, that many would come to Jesus to hear and to be healed of their infirmities. Notice that they didn't just come get in the healing line. A lot of people want to just get in the healing line. But sometimes people need to sit down first and listen. Amen. <laughs> to hear and to be healed of their infirmities. Hallelujah. And so it's the same way with us today. I know when, when I was faced um, many years ago, in fact, well, a little over 10 years ago, I was faced with a diagnosis that said that you have something incurable. Well, that wasn't the time for me to, I don't, I don't think I shed a tear. I just, I knew, I knew it was time to fight. It was time to fight. And so they said, well, you have this. I went to the hospital. They said, well, well, the first thing they did, they checked my thyroid and they did this. And uh, they said, well, you know, I don't, we don't know how you're not living. They checked my thyroid. And your thyroid, at, at optimal, is, you know, around 2, the number, your TSH. Um, optimal, even a little bit lower. And mine was 100. And they said, how are you even living? And um, anyway, and the, they tried to do that. And then finally, I went to the hospital. They said, you have FSGS. It's a um, scarring of the kidneys, and it's um, incurable. Um, I was trying to think what it was. I think it was six or eight grams of protein I was spilling out all the time. And so that's not good. 
You're supposed to be zero. <laughs> and so I knew, though, that, that faith could change my world. And I knew that I had to have a miracle. I knew that I had to have something. And I've, I've got all the notes. I've got 50-something pages from Tampa General Hospital that document all this and all the, the tests and the proddings and the biopsies and all that. But I knew, you know what? It's time to fight. It's time to, to, to fight. Why? Because it's a fight for my life. And, of course, the boys at, at that time, you're talking about Logan was three years old and Liam was just born, his son. And um, I said, bless God, we're going to fight. And, you know, if you're going to win in life, if you're going to receive from God, you have to be a fighter. I'm going to just tell you right now. Well, I don't, I'm not a, much of a fighter. Well, you're going to have to be a fighter. Amen. If you're going to resist the pain, if you're going to resist the, the symptoms, you're going to have to fight. And so, um, you know, when you go through that, I, I realize one thing. God's my answer, and, and I got I to gotta renew my mind. I got to get in the book. And so I just begin to... to of course, nowadays, you tell kids what an iPod, and they think, oh, an I what? But an iPod, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had the, the one that was like, I don't know. It's, it's way more than you need anyway. It's like 20 years of, of stuff on, on, on the iPod. But I just began to listen to that and listen to it and listen to it and feed my faith. I didn't have any other choice. And so uh, at that point, and, and thank God my wife was there to say, you know what, you, you're not dying on me. And, um, you know, thankfully, uh, I just, and, and then right about that time, they, they asked me to preach in the Bible school in Tampa. And, um, and I just started a new job, and I'd go work the job for a few hours, go and, and change and looked like I was, you know, a minister. And I, <laughs> no, I, what I mean is I just got out of my regular work clothes, went and preached, and then went back to work. And just did that, and, and, and fighting for my life. But by the grace of God. I mean, I remember, I remember taking, you know, going through that. The only thing I could, at that time, I could wear was a work boot. And thankfully, I could. I couldn't put shoes on like this. My, my ankles were too big. And um, so I know what it's like to, to have to take water pills and stuff like that. And I was even on blood pressure medicine for just a little bit, and I said, I got to get off of that. And um, I, I actually just kind of quit taking it. But um, I remember I just, I, I got a little bit better. And a little bit better. And a little bit better. See, the Bible talks about those that begin to amend. So don't get discouraged if you just get a little bit better. Don't get discouraged if you don't have the full thing. But I remember what happened is we, um, in the process of time, months. Everyone say months. <clears throat> months later, we had a, a flood in our house. We rented this one house. Ours was the only one in that whole neighborhood that, that flooded like that. 
and just the design they didn't it wasn't um done properly and so anyway we had water there well that's we were still living there uh my wife and the kids came up here and um <clears throat> stay with um the grandparents and um anyway they came up for a week and um I was still working and I went into a, a service where I was about to have something that changed my world. Well, you know, is it important that I go to church all the time? Well, it just depends what you need from God. And um, so we were in this camp meeting. Pastor Rodney was preaching July 4th, uh, 2012. I actually have this at home on video. And so I think I'll send it to him this year because it'd be like a 10-year uh, anniversary of this event but I, I thought he knew my whole situation I don't know how much he knew of it and um, but after worship he called me out and pulled me out and um, just prayed over me and I still remember <laughs> it, it was like a bomb went off It was like a literal bomb went off in that place. Whew. And something happened. Faith <laughs> that changed my world. And I remember my wife came back. I mean, I, I, just, I just remember receiving... She came back within a few days and she looked and all the swelling had gone. And I think within just, just a short amount of time, I, mean, I remember one night I literally dropped about 10 or 12 pounds. Uh, that's one way to get rid of it. And um, but anyway, that, that started a process and the power of God went in me. And, and from that that time on it got better and better and then I, I have the paperwork to show it now and even th you know even through the years to going to the to a local doctor and they say you have no sign or no um protein in the urine and, and stuff like that well that's a testimony amen so I'm, I'm saying is sometimes you might have to walk something out but I would rather walk through it than, than just, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, um, we recorded that a few years ago. It, not, it was very, very long, but we, maybe we should redo it again sometime. But we put that testimony out. But it's, um, you know, thank God. I mean, it's not the only time the enemy's tried to, to work in our life. It's not the only time the enemy's tried to take us out. But I say it right now, he's not big enough. The greater one. The greater one lives within us. Hallelujah. And you're not done till you're done. So don't quit now. Amen. Well, stand on your feet this morning. Hallelujah. You know, I think about people of God that 
affected my life. People like um, Brother Kenneth Hagin and biggest. You know, I got to sit under his ministry, but the biggest thing is the books he's written, you know, and the things that, that you know, the printed page and things like that. But, you know, you think about the devil probably has regretted through the years that he put, tried to put that on him. Why? Because he, he never, he wasn't going to quit. Don't you think the enemy said, boy, I wish I wanted to try to put that on him. Because not only has he, he, he received healing and went and preached it, he went and told others that, that the enemy's not big enough. Amen. Because Amen. he's not. He's the eternally defeated one. He's the lesser one. You know, if, if God's the greater one, he's he definitely got to be the lesser one. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, just lift your hands. Father, we thank you today. Father, we just praise you and thank you for faith to change our world. Lord, that it's not something that, that we've, it's not something we can take the glory for. But Lord, we just thank you today for faith in your word that overcomes every attack, that ever overcomes every situation, that overcomes every trial. We thank you, Lord, for the greater one who lives within us. Lord, we thank you that you give illumination to our mind. You give direction to our spirit today. And Father, thank you that we are overcomers, more than conquerors, more than conquerors through him that loved us. And we thank you, Father, that we shall not die but live and proclaim the works of the Lord. Lord, that we're going to live into a ripe old age. Lord, and just like a shock of corn in its full age, Lord, that we will live our full life out and then go home. But not, in, not until then. Lord, I thank you for, for every person in here to be satisfied. Lord, with long life, you'll satisfy us and show us your salvation. And we give you glory and we give you honor and we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name.